Welcome to episode 100 of the Product Lab Podcast. The Product Lab Podcast has been a big part of how people have been learning about being product led, be it as how you get to work during your downtime or whenever you can't watch webinars. So, to celebrate this milestone, we'll be taking a step back and counting down our top 10 most downloaded podcasts and the most impactful pieces of advice that can make or break how easy it is to transition from being traditionally sales-led to product-led. Number 10. To start off our countdown, we have a snippet from Alison Dickin of Sprig in episode 87, where she talks about constantly doing user research and how important it is to ask questions in the proper context of how your user is currently using your product. What is the best way to use in-app surveys so that it actually is, once again, more contextual and really gets more responses that is high quality for insights? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a couple of different things here. The first thing is asking users questions that are relevant to what they're doing in the moment. So think about what do you really want to learn? Where is the perfect right place in the experience to learn what it is that you need to know. So make sure you're targeting that survey right. And then ask a question that's really relevant to what the users are doing. So if you ask somebody a question about what they're doing right now or what they are trying to achieve, they're going to be a lot more likely to answer it than if you ask them, how likely are you to recommend this product, for example, or something that's kind of a very <laughs> widely seen question that doesn't right. feel personalized or customized or relevant to what I'm doing in the moment. Moving on to number nine. We have episode 80, select the right user activation KPIs to meet your onboarding goals. In this episode, Claudia Murariu, CEO and co-founder of Enetrends, talks about selecting right user activation KPIs to meet your onboarding goals. His perspective is that your product is a promise to your customer, and how you define that promise will help you define the activation KPIs specifically for your business. Let's listen to what he had to say. Yes, define that promise. Get your team around the table and make sure everyone is aligned on that promise. And it's always an easy event that you probably already have tracked. If you don't already have tracked or you have it tracked client-side, I know I'm getting technicals here, make sure you track it with 100% accuracy. You don't want the onboarding process to be a click on a button. The promise is not a click on a button. The promise is something that happens for the user and you want that tracked with 100% accuracy. Number eight, we have John Butterfield, head of platform and growth at SpeedInvest, as he goes into how to fine tune your go-to market strategy. He mentioned something that surprised me and that he said that growth does not necessarily mean success. Let's listen to his awesome point. I mean, we mentioned it already. The big one is that, especially when you've got an investor, you're under so much pressure to get money, right? As an investor, all we care about is how can we get more money? How can we take you to your next round? So we try to do that as successfully as we can. And that pressure, when you put it on a founder, can usually mean just let's make more sales. And the more sales doesn't necessarily always mean more success because you might be you know, being able to sell something well, but what do the churn rates look like and so on. So the other thing as well here is actually people try to expand their market reach in order just to get more sales because they think, okay, if we can get 
5% of a pool of a half a million people, that's a lot more money than getting 50% of a small pool of like a thousand people. But the problem is, is how many people are happy <laughs> out of that pool? And that's essentially what you're looking for. And that's the whole idea of this is how can you deliver on that value? How can you understand what people's pain points are, deliver on that value, make them happy and make them tell their friends, stick around and appreciate your products and essentially be an evangelist of your product. For number seven, we have one of our hosts, Andrew Kaplan. Ask Andres Glissman, the co-founder and CEO of Do What Works, about what he can advise to professionals looking to build their growth skill set. And what advice outside of talking to your customers, running into the fire? I'm trying to think of the other lessons that you hit us along the way with. But like, what advice would you give to someone who's working in growth, who's building out their skill set today? Yeah. So one is learn from everyone around you. There's so much to learn today. I mean, in this resources community, the PLG community, there's so many people you can tap into and learn from. And it's remarkable. I actually, like, there are days where I just think to myself, I can't believe how much good stuff there is. And, I, and I'm learning from them, right? And, and I'm so excited to be able to, to, to share ideas, but also to, to get back from the community as well. I'm learning yeah. so much. So one is to do that. Two, from a career point of view, I think the advice I'd give is to focus on making a difference. Like it goes back to like, there's, there's been times in my career where I've just been super focused on like doing something really cool and like creating a lot of value and just letting everything be figured out. And there were times in my career where I was just like, I really want to get this promotion. I really want to get this certain title. And I made all the wrong decisions when I was optimizing for like my own personal career growth, like your know, career in quotes. And I've managed people who are very career driven and I manage people who are very value-driven, who just say, like, I, I, there's one person I manage that said, you are kind of amazing. You know you could be the CEO of this company someday. And this is like a fairly junior hire at the time. It's like, you could be the CEO of this company someday. And he's like, yeah, I don't really care. And I was like, you are so millennial to say that. He's like, no, I don't care. <laughs> That's not what I'm optimizing for. I'm just trying to like really create something valuable or do really cool things and make interesting things happen and make a difference. Great message there. Focus on being impactful and making a difference. Definitely applicable for a lot of functions and and almost any organization. Good stuff. On to number six. In this episode, we find out how Code Academy acquired 50 million plus users from the CEO himself, Zach Sims. Here's a quick snippet that I liked in particular. Yeah, I mean, I think this is something we're honestly still working a lot on, but it does stem from this like deep held belief that learning is better when it's not alone. And I think that that is something that we perennially invest in. We continue to add to our community team. We have a lot of different channels that you can join our community on, you know, whether it's Discord, Facebook groups, our forums. And so we want to be everywhere our learners are, and we want to provide them with a supportive and exciting atmosphere that kind of convinces them that anything is possible. So for me, I mean, the best... Whenever I log onto Facebook, the best Facebook posts I get are the inspirational ones from our learners. And there are a couple of these a day. You know, hey, I just I started learning on Code Academy 18 months ago and I ended up with a job as a QA engineer today. And like I just wanted to tell you that it's possible. And then you see kind of dozens of comments from people on that, you know, like this is what I needed today. And I think seeing that kind of like self-reinforcing motivation is the thing that I think vindicates community as an investment because that's what gets people to come back and to continue to learn and to eventually kind of live those better lives. 
Interesting. And I guess, is there any other ways you kind of look at it from like, this is really working for us? Like there's obviously like community growth numbers, like number of users who are signing up and number of people who are engaging and like sending messages and kind of like different metrics like that, that might show like there's a good amount of value going on. But is there any ways like you directly look at the community and say, you know what, this community is driving a serious amount of value for our business? We always struggle with this. It's always hard to find the metric. We've tied over time, you know, oh, our most active community members are significantly less likely to cancel, et cetera, et cetera. But I think there isn't always clear business logic behind why we should be investing in community. But we do it anyway because we kind of believe deep down that it is the thing that will help lead to more growth. What really impressed me is how organic the engagement has been in their community and how it has been fostering growth not just within Code Academy itself, but with their learners as well. Moving on to number five. Now, this surprised me and it's absolutely brilliant. I have a love for video games and gaming in general that once my kid is asleep, I play for an hour or two to wind down. Let's listen to a snippet from Product-led Podcast episode 82 what video games can teach you about user onboarding with Emily Lonetto, the head of growth at VoiceFlow. One thing that brings up is often when people think about onboarding, it's, you know, it's new users and then you're done, onboarding's done. But you're now talking about, hey, you could onboard into more advanced things. Yeah. Right? Is that something that you would agree to or can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, like maybe it's not called onboarding, like Mm. as it continues in its entirety, but like in growth, like in particular, when you're thinking about like scalable product led growth, like you're talking about not just this entry point and this pass off, but you're thinking about how that scales for every user at whatever level that they're at, at whatever pace that they're at. You're thinking about end day, as they say. And so in that situation, what you're thinking about is perhaps an onboarding, like how do I just like get them familiarized? And then your next project is like, how do you retain them and keep them coming back? Then getting them from this casual user to a power user. And ultimately, like those are all customer journey problems that make them more sticky, that make them a better, more engaged user, and also make them feel better about using the product. And that ultimately all leads back into your original funnel. Her point of extending onboarding to include leveling customers or users up and using your product and guiding that user journey is awesome in the sense that it makes learning about new features more fun and, as she had put it, make your customers more sticky. Number four, in episode 83, we have Allison Taylor and Trevor Johnston the co-founders and co-CEOs of Jane. They talk about how to grow a seven-figure SaaS business using product-led growth. In this snippet, we'll be hearing Allison talk about how vital it is to do what excites you. Every company I've ever come across has a different recipe. Like we all have a different recipe of what we're starting from. And so we're starting from this because we're customer product, like that is our heart. And so when we scale our business, it has to be around what excites us as founders. And so I would say really like spend some time thinking about what excites you, what makes you feel like you're so excited to build your business. And it could be sales and it could be, you know, hopefully if you're listening to this, it's product. 
and then figure out how that heart can exist in all the other functions in your company and then find people who have the same heart as you do. Like you can find a marketing person that loves the sales side. You can find a marketing person that loves brand or that loves um, product. And so I think like to build a successful company, everyone that you bring in has to have the same heart as you. And it doesn't mean you can't add those functions to your company, but they should be excited about the same thing that you, especially you as a founder are excited by. That's when you're going to find success across your team. That would be my most recent learning. Great advice, I must say. As having that alignment of what excites you exist in your business, parts of your business and the people that you're working with will definitely help you keep the focus on growing your business overall. We're now moving on to our top three. Before we continue, I'd like to express our gratitude for your continued support of the product-led podcast and product-led in general. With your help, we'll be sure to keep on improving on what we do and help you along your journey in product-led growth. Number three. Here we have Gen Furukawa, currently one of the co-founders of Prehack, speak about how to acquire your first 100 customers for your product-led company. In this snippet, he advises founders of product-led businesses to cultivate an audience from the start. Let's hear what he had to say. Yeah, so I, I guess I kind of alluded to it earlier, but... Mm. I just wish that I had an audience to launch to or that I had been more proactive about building an audience. And I think you know, you're know you doing an amazing job at this and others have as well. It would just be a lot easier and can kind of launch with momentum if there's a, a group of people. And it could even just be followers on Twitter. I haven't been that active on social media and I kind of regret that in a sense. So I'm trying to make up time and put out more content and value. So I, I'd say consciously building an audience and an email list from the start would be great. Episode 29 bucks the trend of our top 10 in that it's one of our older episodes on the list. And it goes to show good advice can, more often than not, stay timely, even when you're just starting out. On to our second most downloaded episode. The longest episode in our top 10 list, we have episode 79, How to Nail Your Product Positioning with April Dunford, the author of Obviously Awesome. In this audio clip, she talks about her cake pop example and how the manner of framing your product can set a customer's expectations. So one of the examples I use in the book is this idea of cake versus the cake pop. So I first got this idea when, you know, again, I was trying to come up with different analogies that I could use to describe positioning to people that aren't marketers so that they would get it. And I had this thought one day, I walked into the coffee shop and we're in Canada is Tim Hortons. So I walk into the Tim Hortons and they got a sign up and it's breakfast, right? And it says, try our double chocolate salted caramel muffin. And I'm like, muffin? (laughs) That's not a muffin. That is literally a piece of cake. But they have positioned it as breakfast. (laughs) So then I got thinking about that. What's the difference between a cake and a muffin? It's it's positioning. And then a few weeks later, I walked into the Starbucks and I was looking at the cake pops. And I was like, same thing with this, right? Like this is cake on a stick. position in a different way. So the example I use, and it was more to illustrate the idea that 
you know, we often start out with a default position in our minds when, when the product gets invented, but then, you know, the product almost outgrows its market category or the thing that it ends up being isn't actually best positioned the way we intended it. So like, you know, you woke up in the morning and said, you know what sucks? Email sucks. I'm going to make better email. But, you know, you add features, you take features away. Customers like this, they don't like that. The market itself is evolving. And now we have chat and we have team collaboration, all these other things. Fast forward two years later, and you still think it's email because that's what you've set out to build. But a new customer coming at it from the outside says, well, I don't know. It doesn't have a calendar and it doesn't have whatever. That doesn't make any sense. And I don't know what this thing is. And so I used to do this bit in conference talks where I would talk about, you know, like, let's say you're a baker and you woke up in the morning and you said, hey, I'm going to innovate the heck out of cake. And so I'm going to have cake but I want to make it portable so that I can drink coffee in one end and have a cake snack thing in the other hand. And so I developed this thing and it's like a little ball of cake and I put it on a stick and then I decide I'm going to pitch it to Starbucks. And then so I call up Starbucks and say, Hey, I got this thing. It's amazing. It's cake, but it's like cake, but a small morsel of cake. And I wanted to make it portable. So I want to give it a handle. It's not really a handle. It's like a stick. So I've got this thing and it's like cake on a stick. It's like cake 2.0. It's like advanced cake. Right. But the lady on the other end, she's like, that's not cake, my man. Like, <laughs> like that's cake doing things. Cake wasn't, I don't want cake on a stick. That sounds stupid. And that's because I declared it as cake. And so I said it was cake. So what wins a cake contest? Interesting. Like the cakiest cake in town. Yeah. Like I want frosting. Mm. That's what I want on a cake. And I want a lot of it. And I don't want a small piece of cake. I want a big mm. piece of cake. It's dessert, man. <laughs> and I want all these things. And what's special about my invention? Well, it's the, it's the ball and the mm. stick. And that has nothing to do with cake. And so why am I positioning it as cake? So I could back the whole thing up and say, you know what? If I focus in on the things that are special about it, it's not actually the cake. The cake is the least interesting thing about it. So I could actually position it as a lollipop, mm. right? And say, it's a lollipop for grownups at the coffee shop. Well, that may, then of course, then I picture it perfectly now. Mm. Of course, it's got a stick. Of course, it's got a little ball. And hey, it's made out of cake. That's cool, right? It's a bonus. So a cake pop is very different from cake on a stick, so I think that you need to understand what's differentiated and special about your stuff. And then you need to take a step back and say, what is the best context to position mm. that product in so that the differentiated cool stuff that you've got is right in the middle of the market category instead of saying, oh, yeah, all my cool stuff is over here. Now, that's how you brand. Despite the length of episode 79, April Dunford is such a fun guest with so many great examples and lessons that you can't help but enjoy listening to her. Before we go to our most downloaded product-led podcast episode, let's do a quick recap of our nine most downloaded episodes so far. At number 10, we have episode 87, a deep dive into customer research with Allison Dickin. For number nine, episode 80, Select the right user activation KPIs to meet your onboarding goals with Claudio Morario. Number eight, as episode 85, 
How to fine-tune your go-to-market strategy with John Butterfield. Number seven, we have episode 81, hashtag how I got here with Andres Glistman, hosted by Andrew Kaplan. At number six, episode 78, how Co-Academy acquired 50 million plus users from the CEO himself, Zach Sims. For number five, we have episode 82, what video games can teach you about user onboarding with Emily Lonetto. At number four, episode 83, how to grow a seven-figure SaaS business using product-led growth with Allison Taylor and Trevor Johnston. For number three, we have episode 29, how to acquire your first 100 customers for your product-led company with Gen Furukawa. And at number two, episode 79, how to nail your product positioning with April Dunford. For our most downloaded product-led podcast episode, we have episode number 28, why become product-led growth certified with none other than the original hosts of the product-led podcast, Wes Bush and Ramley John. In episode 28, Wes and Ramley go through some of the courses that we had on offer at the time. As I'm sure you're already aware, our courses are constantly evolving as we also apply product-led principles to make sure that you and your team get the best possible experience in learning how to accelerate your product-led growth. To quote Wes in episode 28, we eat our own dog food. Since then, our courses have further evolved and we now have live courses every month. If you'd like to learn more, feel free to visit productlight.com. With that said, I'd like to highlight something that Ramley and Wes talked about regarding applying for the product-led course as a team and how it affects onboarding and speeding up the transition and essentially applying oil to your business growth as a team. Let's listen to what they have to say. Yeah, so the benefits applying as a team, you know, I already said it earlier, onboarding and even making the transition from sales-led to product-led you can't be James Bond. You can't be that one ninja and samurai that's going to come in and like hack and slash everything. And, and it's going to be all fine and dandy. Like this is going to be an, a, a team support. It, there will be a team discount and we have team discount for five or more for people in the same company. And it will be available on the pages and also on the application page. We'll, you see how much that will be. But you know, we encourage teams to apply because I guarantee you, you will get more value as a company out of this than just sending one person because this is a, a whole mindset and a whole process shift that is required to make sure that the frameworks that we're going to show you isn't just something that one person is going to take and just like bury it under the sand. That's not how plants grow, right? You have to make sure that you water it as a team and help make sure that grows. So that that's how the team works essentially. So if you have five or more people from the same team that apply, then we will give you a, a discount. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I'll, I'll just add to that as well is one I have noticed is whenever there's more people who are going through these product-led programs, it usually means that the company is taking this more seriously. And it's easier for you to make this change because you have more people on your team who are talking the same language, understanding the, the main problems and challenges of making this change in your business. So... And that alone is really worth it if you get more people on the same page. It just makes it easy to make change. (laughs) 
Those were the top 10 most downloaded product-led podcast episodes. This is Pierce John Ramirez, your community manager at Product-led. And from the Product-led team and I, we thank you.